Irrational. Irrational. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to start over. Yes, just start over. I'll, I'll cue you in. Okay. This is going on the pod, but not the video, <laughs> by the way. That's... Actually, hold on. I'm gonna, that's hecked up right now. That's hecked up, bro. <clears throat> so... So we're... Kids, kids naturally have more irrational fears than what adults have, okay? Yeah. And it has to do with imagination. It has to do with just, you know... Uh, like being vulnerable okay right but we see it the monster take the form of so many different um fears from right. you know people being burned alive so many per to, so many personal demons to, for each character yeah exactly to sickness to whatever these kids are afraid of and we see it play out and every time it reveals himself mm -hmm. he's he's in a new form and he is he's sadistic he he gets joy from haunting these kids it's almost like a game he only comes around once every 30 years mm -hmm. and he haunts the kids the adults of the town have no idea what's going on even when they return and they dive into that a little more in in it chapter two right but just the idea of a monster that is preying on you he does he is fueled by essentially killing these kids of the town mm -hmm. right yeah yeah. But he 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 takes his time to break them down mentally and emotionally and break up the friends because mm -hmm. he realizes that they are they are more vulnerable when they're alone. When they're alone, so right. he the times that we see it the monster um, really showing his full his full power his his full array his full arsenal if you will of scare tactics. Right. It's when these kids are alone. And that's the that's the scariest parts in this movie are when the kids are alone, when we kind of get an inside look at what it is that scares them individually as characters. When they're all together, the clown is not quite so powerful. It has much less, yeah. It has much less of a grip over them. But the reason why the movie is so scary is because we have that sense of helplessness. Mm -hmm. We have that sense of isolation where when you're alone is when he's going to come after you and there's not really much you can do about it because the monster is the clown and the monster in a way is their town like right, you learn right. throughout the movie that this town of Derry has been um it is Derry, right Derry, maine i believe yeah. yeah that this town has been haunted by it for forever for a long time you don't we don't really know exactly how long but he's been around for a long time every 30 years he comes back and he starts preying on the children of this town mm -hmm. and it gives it makes you feel so hopeless it also nails jump scares and we kind of talked about that yeah um yeah. in our in last week's video mm -hmm. um but it does jump scares so well because it shows you terrifying images of this clown who can distort his body and distort his face. And he says right. all of these creepy things, but it's always building up him as this kind of all powerful mm -hmm. being, right? if you will. And so throughout the movie, it builds up it as, as the monster that he is. We never, mm -hmm. it seems like he doesn't really peak. Like you get the idea yeah. that he's always getting more powerful <laughs> as he gains knowledge of, of people as individuals, he knows how to attack them and he knows how to break them down. And right. that's what makes the monster it so scary is that he really, 
he has no boundaries that he's not willing to cross, you know? Right. You also, one thing I think this movie really had going for it was you, you come for the clown, you come for the scares, and you, you stay for the main characters. Yeah. Right? The main characters are what kind of make you want to revisit that story because not only does um, the director, um, I believe his name is Andy, Andy Muschietti. Mus- yeah, Muschietti, Muschietti. Is it Muschietti or Muschietti? I don't know. I would guess. A- anyway. I would get, guess Muschietti. Very, very good director. He's directed a couple. He directed Mama. I don't know yeah. if you've seen that. Yep. That, scare, that horror movie. Um, but they really, really nailed the characterization of the kids. The kids have great personalities. They they are interesting to hear speak, and they they just kind of talk like kids growing up in the eighties. They 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 cuss and they. Have you know they say kind of dirty things to each other and they try and get each other the other to laugh and there's so much of that just kind of very relatable personality that I think older older guys like you and me who were you know kids not too long ago can kind of latch onto because it makes us kind of feel like kids again it, it kind of reminds us of what we were like when we were you know 12 13 years old and so that's that's I think one of the one of the best things this movie has going for it is not only um, not only did they nail Pennywise the Clown, right? They they really took time to get each individual character to a level where you can you can kind of relate to them in some well, way. Well, and they, and they showed a level of depth with these characters that you don't see very often, especially in a horror movie. And especially with 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 child characters and child actors. Yes, because they Sometimes made they really made them relatable, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's it's at the same as much as it is scary for us to watch because of just the helplessness mm-hmm. of of these kids as they're they kind of have no escape from right, it right it's also scary to watch because of the nostalgia factor like we can imagine ourselves in those types of situations we can imagine what it would be like as kids if our worst fears were coming to life and haunting us day in and day out Right, right, with with no end, mm-hmm. and that's the other thing this movie gets right is it it really um it really highlights each character's uh, kind of personal individual fear. So whenever the clown preys on them, it's it's easy to kind of cue yourself in to the fear. Like it might not be a personal fear that you have, mm-hmm. but you know that character has it, and being able to understand that and kind of really flesh that out in a character makes the dread and the kind of helpless, the feeling of helplessness feel more realized in a horror film like that because you just, you're automatically cued into that and it makes you scared because they are also scared. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Um, and a couple other things too, that I wanted to mention about it. First of all, Bill Skarsgård oh, dude. was absolutely brilliant. He's so good. It. And that one of the greatest things about him was all like the little the weird movements and this, his his kind of uh, his uh, cross eyed smile and the fact that he can like furl his lip open that's all real stuff that yeah, he can his, do like they didn't have to do that in post he was just able to do that and that makes that adds kind of that adds so much depth to how yep. well like kind of visualized the character is and how yeah. well fleshed out. The actual villain is well, and his his ability to act with his facial features and his his skill and talent as a physical actor mm-hmm. was very important to this role and and to his casting because the director understood that he would be in costume and prosthetics and makeup 
to kind of display this larger than life character. But in order to make it his own, Bill Skarsgård had to be able to, you know, contort his facial features. He had to be right. able to act with his body just as mm-hmm. much as, as, you know, with his, um, his mannerisms, with his speech and all of those things, because right. he, he wanted his character to come through and he really took it and ran with it and he made it mm-hmm. his own. Yeah. Another thing to mention about it is just the way that, and this is a, a fairly new movie it came out in 2017. Right. It gave us so many, you know, recognizable characters and oh, yeah. like the way that it drove horror within the pop culture scene Mm -hmm. um, is really, we don't see it very often, especially in a movie this new after having already seen the it mini series after the books have been out forever. Mm -hmm. This movie, I feel like really made Pennywise the clown into what he is and made the story of, of Georgie into what it is now. Right. Um, That, it was able to do it in a way that past representations of the it character have not been able to do. Couldn't and, quite and, do. Yeah. And it, it absolutely nailed it. And it was able to put a story onto film mm-hmm. um, from, from the books in a way that a lot of other films have tried and failed at. And not really gotten. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And just going back kind of to, to, uh, Bill Skarsgård, the the amount of physical effort it takes mm-hmm. to do what he did with that character is is really pretty. Un, it's it's pretty hard to come by these days, and it's definitely. I think it's something that's worth not just mentioning, but also praising because not only is it a physically demanding role, but I, I gotta imagine it's a pretty mentally demanding role too. Oh, sure, to play a character who just preys on children. It's kind of heavy for two and a half hours. Yeah. For two different two and a half well, hour long know, movies, I don't know if you heard the stories too. Um, and hopefully, I'm not wrong in saying this because I guess I didn't actually look it up to confirm before. Yeah, it's fine. I, I've heard that we're no leading, Wikipedia. Leading up, well, who is seriously? And who is more is, accurate than name, Wikipedia? Name a more accurate source. I'll wait. Now, <laughs> you can't. No, I can't. can't it's Wikipedia. Um, it's a dot org, bro. They're perfect. Anyway, okay. Continue with your point. I just realized my mic was turned the wrong direction. So. Oh, that's funny. No, it's not. It's not funny. Keep going. Okay. Um. What was I? What was I? Uh, what was I talking about? I had talked about Bill Skarsgård. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've heard this, but leading up to while they were filming it, they were filming all of Bill's scenes separately from the kids' scenes, and the scene where he where it the clown is revealed to the kids uh-huh they hadn't let them meet bill skarsgård prior to that they hadn't huh. let him they haven't hadn't let the kids see him in his costume in his makeup and prosthetics right. until that first scene because they wanted genuine reactions from the kids and so in that first reveal where it the clown comes face to face with the kids yeah their look of terror is actually real like they were terrified of him they're actually afraid and and he as far as i know like he he was never one of those guys who was just going to be a jerk to them on set or anything like he checked in with them and made sure they were okay and and you kind of have to with a movie like this right but they were genuinely afraid of him to start which of course 
only adds to the film, but you can also imagine that makes it a lot harder on the right. character and on the actors and the directors mm-hmm. um, who are making it. You know, interesting note, uh, you brought that up. There's a similar movie that we're going to be talking about um, where uh, the characters were not uh, shown the creatures before they uh, were actually in the movie and in the first scene where they were introduced to them, The Descent. Oh, really? The characters did not see the humanoid monsters until the first scene they actually shot with them. Whoa. So those reactions are completely genuine because they had no idea they, what it was going to look They knew there was going to be something down in the caves with them. They yeah. didn't know what it was going to look like or what it was going to be. So that first scene, the first reaction they actually all have to them is very, very real. See, I think that's such an interesting technique or tactic and this is not the purpose of our discussion today but I think it's so and it's almost unique to horror movies Um, Mm. we do see it occasionally with action films depending on the character or dramas but I think that's such an interesting way of of directing because it really kind of takes away the acting in a sense from the actors you Mm. can only you can only act to a certain degree and make it feel real and believable. But right. when, when the directors and the actors are able to take away that kind of, you know, fake, in this case, fake terror, mm-hmm. it adds so much more depth to the scene, watching these people react as if they actually would. Right. Because they are. Because they you are. Know? So to kind of transition, because I think this is a good transitioning point, yeah. in terms of, you know, giving getting genuine reactions out of people... That was pretty much the entirety of uh, John Carpenter's 1982 cult classic, The Thing. Okay. Which is the second movie we will be talking about yeah. in, this, uh, in this episode. Um, the Thing, when it was originally released, was one of the most poorly received horror films ever made. I mean, a couple, a couple, uh, couple hits here... Um, it was called Instant Junk, A Wretched Excess, Whoa. and proposed as the most hated film of all time by many, many people. What's funny is, even when it was so poorly reviewed back in 1982, critics still praised the special effects. Because the special effects... Every single one, every single monster design, every single creature, every single transformation you see in that movie is 100% real special effects. In a matter of fact, 10% of the entire budget that they used to make this movie was put towards special effects creations. Yeah. To make every single monster that's in the movie. It wasn't until, I want to say, probably a, a good uh, a good 10 years after... The movie came out that it was finally better better received, and now of course it's it's regarded as one of the one of the best most influential sci-fi horror films ever made. And I think, I honestly I do think it's because for one everything looks so real, the terror doesn't just look real it is real because it's actually something that they created to scare the audience, and you know you've got heads popping off of necks in weird you know contorted ways and. You've got 
the the thing itself like imitates dogs at a couple points. Well, you've you've got dogs that are basically like skinned. Yeah, it's exactly. Disgusting to yeah. look at when you act when they act, they like they actually cut the thing open after they've killed the dog yeah. the thing when it's a dog and you can like see like it's trying to like transform dogs inside of it while mm-hmm. it's tr- you know while it's trying to imitate this life form. Uh, you've also got you've got so many different elements. You've got cabin fever. You've got the fear of freezing to death. You've got the fear of this monster that perfectly imitates other organisms. There's all of these things that kind of stack up. And on top of that, you've got these guys who are cut off from the rest of the world, who have no contact with anyone other than themselves. And this whole time, they have to try and figure out how to know which one of them is is real and right. which one of them has been infected. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's that that kind of that kind of sense of isolation is pretty well established from the beginning mm-hmm. because you even you even kind of learn that the other people that are out there and are around mm-hmm. are hostile. They don't have any right. They don't you know, there's no there's no alliance, there's nobody there to help them mm-hmm. when when everything starts to, you know, go down downhill. Right. They're by themselves completely. Yeah. Adding more to the realism into the, you know, garnering real reactions out of characters. They actually filmed these scenes in, like, 40-degree rooms. Oh, wow. They, they pumped the temperature down, down to basically freezing. So, like, all the, you know, all the, every breath when you see, like, the, the fog come out of their mouths, that's real. Yeah. They're actually, uh, John Carpenter actually wanted to, to, to freeze his characters and give them the feeling that they were at this science station in Antarctica, despite the fact, you know, most of it was filmed on, on sound stages and stuff like that, but they, they built these sets and they pumped the temperatures down to, mm-hmm. to close to freezing. So whenever these characters are actually in these rooms, they're actually wearing these coats. They're actually cold. They're actually, you know, they're actually perspiring as they breathe. All these things are happening because dude, that's what the director wanted. The director wanted it to hey, feel as real as possible. Perspiring means sweating. I'm pretty sure. Oh, well, Whatever they're, you know what I mean. They're sweating as Listen, they breathe. I'm not a scientist. Okay. <laughs> I don't know these. I don't know all these science words. I'm just trying. Next time, okay? next time we'll ask Wikipedia. I'm trying to use big words. I try that sometimes, and then yeah. Well, you saw what happened. Yeah, that's you know. I also I love this film. Not I mean you know we I've spoken obviously to the the set design and the special effects and the creature design itself, but also the the casting choices, getting um, getting these kind of kind of big names for the '80s, and also I mean having Kurt Russell be the lead guy, and Kurt Russell would go on to work with John Carpenter on a lot of other movies. He and he and John Carpenter were pretty pretty close in mm-hmm. terms of you know what movies they did together, um, but you just they had such a a a good cast of of guys together. Who were able to who bantered off each other really well, right? You could you could kind of feel like you don't you don't establish much time with them before the thing enters its way into their into their uh, into their research station. The movie basically starts with the thing coming into the station and starting to wreak you know wreak havoc on on everyone that's there. Right. But even even without that kind of setup, you still get a very good sense of who each character is and as well as their relationships to each other and how they kind of, um, how they kind of might've been if this were just a movie about them doing science research in the middle of nowhere. Right. Right. You you get through small bits of dialogue, 
kind of a a good characterization enough of a characterization for each character to to actually want to make to want to know what happens to them to kind of actually feel interested to see who makes it out and who doesn't right well and they show even though they don't necessarily spend the time to to show us how they interact mm-hmm. um, for very long at least without the thing yeah um they show enough personality and enough depth during these kind of trying times mm-hmm. that you you kind of get to see um who they really are because it exposes them for how they handle adversity right. i suppose and how they handle um you know the sense of not knowing and and kind of living in in constant anxiety of mm-hmm. of who to trust and who not to and right, and right. things like that there's a great scene at the start with Kurt Russell when he's playing the the chess master the old computerized chess master thing and mm-hmm. it, it, it checkmates him and he takes his bottle of, of scotch or whiskey, whatever he's drinking, and, and pours it into the machine and blows it up. And he just says, cheating bitch. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. That's a 30-second t- little, what would seem like a throwaway scene, but it's such a great little moment to kind of cue you into what his character is like. Yeah. And it's short, and it doesn't really, it, you know, it's not very expository. It's just a short little scene. And he says, he says like two words in that whole thing, cheating bitch. That's it. Yeah, and you get so much out of that just tiny little moment about who his character is, what he's like, what is you know, what kind of decisions he might make, even just from that little little bit. And this movie is is full of those moments. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that when it was originally released, people didn't quite pick up on. They were so focused on where's the horror coming from that it it might have been easy to just kind of overlook these small little character moments that actually gave them a good kind of a a a good bit of um what's the word i'm thinking of like it made them feel fully realized they it right. it made them seem not like just kind of people who were there to get killed well and right? it's it's kind of like you said too it it might seem like a throwaway scene mm-hmm. and and a big knock on the thing was that it was so kind of you know, grotesque, the the imagery right, right. and all those things. But that moment occurred before we even see any violence, before we see any of these terrifying creatures. Right. So there's really there's really no excuse to right. to try to argue that that there was no character depth or character development. Right. Because we do get plenty of those moments throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Um that are completely independent of right. whatever the the scary imagery that we're mm-hmm. we're kind of being forced to look right. at. You talked about um, grotesqueness. You know, we've talked a lot about on this on this show about gratuity for gratuity's sake. Yeah, and I think maybe people initially did think, well, this is just all just so it's just so gross and and bloody and gory and and it just there doesn't just seem just focused to be... on the shock value, right? Yeah, but I think I think perception on that has changed over the years because people have realized. They weren't really just going for shock. They were going for, I think it was just, it looked so real that people were just shocked. People yeah. were just in shock at how real it looked. And I think that kind of led them to think, oh, this is just grotesque. It's just gross. It's just gratuity well, for that, gratuity's and that, sake. That's, that's even, even watching it recently. Obviously, I didn't watch it in 1982. Right. That's how I felt. Seeing seeing the creature and seeing it kind of transform and seeing the, the blood and the gore. It, right. The way, and I know you already mentioned this, but I didn't really, I didn't really touch on it. Mm-hmm. The, their, their character building, their monster building, their, um, 
you know, the special effects, like you said, are mm-hmm. so realistic, especially for the time. And you have to understand that in 1982, they didn't have the capabilities well, that we have now. For the time, but even now, even now, right. that those special effects are, well, one, they are real. They're yes. all real. They're all, you yes. know, all done in the physical world. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so realistic even now. That it's hard to live up to something like the thing mm-hmm. to the point where the remake in 2011 used 85 to 90 percent CGI yeah. for for all the monster effects, mm-hmm. which is crazy. So here's here's a connection that I'm kind of noticing between the thing and it, and I feel like mm-hmm. we haven't really looked for these in any of our movies. They just have happened kind yeah. of naturally, mm-hmm. and and this is actually starting to become a theme in a lot of our horror discussions is the idea of of helplessness first of all but the connection that i'm seeing between it and the thing is the idea of familiarity so in it these kids are seeing their worst fears kind of come to life right and it's it's something we've all had those kind of irrational fears and and we discount them as being irrational there's nothing to be afraid of right in it there is something to be afraid of in the thing. They all know what the threat is. They all know that there is something after them, Mm -hmm. but what they're not expecting is for the people that are most familiar to them and the places Mm -hmm. that make them feel comforting in kind of this, you know, dreary um, landscape that they're in. Mm -hmm. And they're already isolated enough where the, the, people and the things that are most familiar to them are now what is haunting them. Right. right? And I'm not, I probably shouldn't say haunting because these, neither of these are like ghost stories, but uh, yeah, but just in a way that idea of kind of, there, maybe not there's, haunting, there's not so like, many words to use, not haunting, but tormenting them. Right. I think one of another thing, these things, both of these movies really have in common is not knowing where the threat is going to be next. Yeah. And that's again, we t- you know we talked a lot about helplessness. How we might not know, or we might, as the viewer, know when the character is helpless, and whereas they may not know. Mm-hmm. But in I think in both of these movies, uh, something it does really well is it establishes that the threat is never not there. So f- as the viewer, we know there at any moment in time, one of these characters could be in serious trouble, and we don't know when it's going to happen. So that not only makes the 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 character feels feel helpless because they don't know, but it also makes us as a viewer feel helpless because instead of knowing and seeing it when the character's not seeing it, we're in the same boat as the character in that we're just kind of going on this journey with them and going, the next turn it could be there on the next turn. We don't know. Right. And that one thing that both of these movies does so well is it doesn't give you any any cheap scares to kind of use as a red herring. Mm-hmm. Every scare in each of these movies is very well very well realized and very well utilized to kind of propel the characters and propel the monster to kind of the next big thing. Well, and they they always you know, they always carry weight. They always have actual consequences. Right. Of people dying. We're not tricked into being afraid. We're afraid because mm-hmm. we see the potential that these that these monsters have for wreaking havoc. Right. 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 Good Shit, man. I think that's good. I think so. I think we just gave him a good 30 minutes. Nice. Yeah.
We always do that. We're really land, we're really hitting the thirty minute pocket right now with all these. Yeah. I think even though last, we said let's aim for like eighteen to twenty. Like yeah, like twenty minutes. <laughs> Whoops. All right. Eighteen to twenty per movie. Per movie, pretty there much. You go. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much for watching this series. I believe this is the Thursdays. <laughs> I didn't want to say because I wasn't sure. Honestly, and I, we're not really sure. We've been recording these so much at this point. We're yeah. kind of. We're kind of losing track. Um, thank you so much, though. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Leave a like if you liked. Hit the notification bell so you know when the next one's coming out. Even though we've already given you the schedule for this week, you know it's just good to know exactly when it pops up. And so I exactly don't even know it, at this point. So exactly when it pops up, you can go. You can click on it, watch it, leave us a comment, leave us a like, leave us a dislike. Honestly, at this point, we just want to know what you think. And Let us know what you think of our of our series, too. We've been trying something yeah. a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Let us know which setting you like best. Do you like the table? Do you like the conference room? Do you like, Do you the, like couches? the couch? Honestly, the couch is pretty comfy. I like it so far. Anyway, <laughs> if you listen to us on podcast, we are on Spotify. We're on Apple. We're on any platform that has podcasting. There's a very, very good chance that our show is on there. So if you do listen on one of those, leave us that five-star Give us a review. Let us know what you think. Reach out in any way you want. DM us. We're, we're everywhere. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on, I don't know about Instagram. I don't know if we have an Instagram. We're working on it. I mean, we have personal Instagrams. If you want to hit us up on Instagram, do that too. I mean, hey. And guess what? We'll, we want to interact with you guys. We do. The, the people yeah. who have commented on our YouTube videos, they we, got responses. We've interacted you know? with every single um, one of them. I think if people start leaving five-star reviews on our Apple, maybe we can start you know, giving them shout outs, giving them a shout out. If they ask us questions, we can answer their questions, whatever. Yeah. You know, we want to, we want to interact the Mm -hmm. way that we can. hundred percent. So be on the lookout for, like Gus said, all of our social media, subscribe to everything that you can. Um, we'll be pumping out new content all the time. Um, we're getting towards the end of our, uh, front row frights, but hopefully we'll Mm -hmm. come up with some new good series and also just look out for front row podcast coming back in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, this is basically the podcast just rebranded for the spookies, you know, the, the spookies, the spookies. Yeah. All right, guys, we'll front, see you next front time. Front row spookies, spookies, it's spooky season. All right. We'll catch us in the next spooky. video. We'll see you then. Boo. Ah. Dude, what was I'm, that? I'm wilding right now, bro. You wilding out. I'm wilding.